Reader's Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Hello, everyone. It's Monday, a new week, a new month. Can you believe we're in August and a lot of us are still staying inside? Uh, So I'm so glad you're with us, and I hope you're reading so many books right now. I have a fabulous author uh, to chat with today, and I can't wait for you to meet her. It's USA Today bestselling author, Hank Philippi Ryan. She was on um, about six months ago. I look back because I wanted to remember for sure because it was before the whole world changed. And so we'll talk about that too. If you haven't read her yet, I'm going to read her bio for you. Hank Philippi Ryan has won five Agatha Awards in addition to the Anthony, the McCavity, Daphne du Maurier, and the Mary Higgins Clark Award for her best-selling mystery novels. As an investigative reporter, her work has resulted in new laws, criminals sent to prison, homes saved from foreclosure, and millions of dollars in restitution for victims and consumers. Along with her 36 Emmy Awards and 14 Edward R. Morrow Awards, Hank has received dozens of other honors for her groundbreaking journalism. A former president of Sisters in Crime and founder of MWA University, she lives in Boston with her husband, a nationally renowned civil rights and criminal defense attorney. She is the author of acclaimed psychological thriller, Trust Me, and the Jay Ryland series, which begins with The Other Woman. She also has The Murder List, came out earlier this year and was a USA Today bestseller. And I did put a link to her website right there on the Blog Talk site. So if you're listening live, you can click that anytime and sign up for her newsletter and check out the books that are all there for you to read while you're locked down. And also you can find her on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So without any further delay, are you there, Hank? I'm here, and I love those delays when you say such kind words about me. I'm just sitting here all in Boston, just happily listening to what you're saying. Um, it's very nice to hear. Thank you so much. I'm so pleased to be here. Oh, we're so glad to have you back. Tomorrow is release day for The First Lie, right? The First Lie comes out tomorrow, yes, and you are so right. And I am in pre-launch crazy jitters. I, You know, this is my 12th my 12th thriller, and I have to say that it does not get any easier, and I don't feel any more casual about it, la-di-da. It's just like sort of tonight is like Christmas Eve or, you know, like the eve Mm -hmm. of maybe even a final exam or something like that when you think, did I do enough? Did I study enough? Was I good enough? Will people like this? And my brain is just going, I mean, every author knows about this. My brain is going a million right. miles an hour to hope that people love the first to lie. That does come out tomorrow. Thank you so much for reminding me of that. <laughs> so, <laughs> right? Launch, and launch you have that little voice. Deal. <laughs> yes, and that little voice in your head going, maybe I'm the only one who likes this book. Well, there is that. There is that. I mean, it always happens, doesn't it? You're writing along, and there are days that you have good writing days, and you think, oh, I love this. And then other days you think, oh, my golly, people are going to read this. What is going And so, um, but so it's just gotten stellar, stellar reviews. Publishers Weekly loved it and called it stellar, actually. Um, and Booklist loved it, too. It said page-turning twists and mind-bending drama or something wonderful along those lines. <laughs> so I'm incredibly happy with the 
review response over the moon with the review response and readers response has been just wonderful so you know that's what you sort of rely on um and when you see people i've already gotten emails saying that they loved it so much that they've read it again so the first to lie is out there and it will be available tomorrow and yes thank you i am happy that this psychological standalone is out there in the world and without giving away spoilers, can you tell us about it so that everybody runs out and pre-orders it today? <laughs> that would be so nice. Thank you, Lisa. Right? There's a fun thing on social media that says, can you describe your book in four words? And then there's another one on social media that says, in five phrases, describe your book. So my four words are, for the first to lie, my four words are betrayal, motherhood, obsession, and revenge. And that is the first to lie. But my five phrases I could use to describe the first to lie are, let's see, a devastating childhood betrayal, an undercover reporter who's gone in too deep, a beautiful sailboat on the Chesapeake Bay, a rich and powerful family, and an ice pick that is not used for ice. So basically, it's um, two—I know—it's two smart women facing off in a high-stakes psychological cat and mouse game to get revenge for a terrible childhood betrayal. But which woman is the cat, and which woman is the mouse, and which one will succeed? Because if one of the women's revenge succeeds, the other one is doomed to fail. So it all depends on who is the first to lie. And that is this new psychological standalone that comes out tomorrow. That's so cool. And I I wrote down while you were saying that, I wrote down the reporter's thing, because that's what you've done for most of your life, right? How often does um, reporting and journalism come into your books? Are they often characters? How do you, do you draw on real life for that? Well, it's interesting, especially for The First to Lie, because um, The First to Lie does have an undercover person or two in it. Um, And I have been a television reporter for 43 years now, if you can imagine. And I have wired myself with cameras. (laughs) I'm sorry. Since you were four, right? (laughs) When I was four. Exactly. When I was four. Exactly. Totally. Thank you so much for that. No, so I've been a reporter for 43 years, a television reporter for 43 years, and I've wired myself with hidden cameras and confronted corrupt politicians and gone undercover and in disguise. And I began to wonder about going undercover. You know, the idea of what happens when a reporter goes undercover, because they really, one of the keys of going successfully undercover, which I've done many times, and I've only gotten caught once, one of the keys of going successfully undercover is that you truly believe that you are who you are pretending to be. Um, it's like method acting. So you ha- it's, you're not only investigating, but you're being a different person with different motivations and different reactions um, and different assessments of a situation, the, the reactions of the person who you are pretending to be. And I wondered when I was thinking about that, what, ha- what would happen if somebody who went undercover decided that their undercover persona would make their lives more successful than their real person, than their real person? You know, that whether you, what if being someone else 
could get you what you want? Would you completely change your life and be, could you simply, or would it be simple, become someone else by being your undercover persona? And that was sort of um, the beginning of the first to lie. It didn't turn out to be exactly that, but that idea that we are always, all of us are always pretending to be someone else depending on who we're with. You know, you might behave differently. You would behave differently with your mom than you would with your boss, than you would with your best friend, than you would with a stranger. You're putting on this undercover almost personality from time to time, and you be that person. And then when you get home right. and, you're, and you're yourself again, you, you know, you're someone else. So that idea of pretending and disguise and um, impersonation and lying, which is what that is, that became very um, central to my book. So in the first to lie, the question is, who is the first to lie? Who is the first to become someone else? And what do they want? And how far will they go to get it? And when you mix in revenge to that concoction, um, that's a powerful motivation, revenge, especially if you feel that you've been devastatingly betrayed by someone you thought loved you. Right, right. So, the, so my and undercover reporting really um, helps, informs that idea of pretending to be someone else and, and what you have to do. The first line of the first to lie is lies have a complicated half-life. And what that means is, <laughs> right, because they never quite go away because you have told that lie to someone and that person remembers some part of it. And the more you lie, the more you have to remember and the more tangled your requirements are because at every moment that you're doing this, at every moment that you're being this new person, you have to remember what you said in the past, knowing that some of that baggage will never disappear. Right. Remembering lies is almost harder than lying. <laughs> yeah. You know, that off-the-cuff lying is pretty easy, but then, but then how do you remember that? And knowing um, that other people mm-hmm. care about it as much as you do, other people, in, you know, other characters in the, books, in, in the book have different motivations and want different things, and they're using your lies to prop those up, and what if that's not true? So you see how complicated our lives are. So I wanted to make a fun, fast-paced, entertaining, you know, before COVID, I would have said, I want you to miss right. your stop on the subway. <laughs> you know, I want you to miss your stop on the subway because you're reading this so fast. But I guess now I want you to, you know, not, not be able to get to sleep because you just want one more chapter. I mean, they say, write the kind of book you love to read. And I love high-stakes, fast-paced, compelling, psychological thrillers with, you know, I don't have graphic sex in my books. I don't have graphic violence in my books. I don't, I don't even have much inappropriate language. I just have misdirection and gaslighting and mind games and, you know, a little bit of murder and a lot of deception. <laughs> and I love the twisty, turny books like Samantha Downing and Samantha Bailey and Ruth Ware and Sherry LaPena, all those wonderful uh, page-turning thrillers that are realistic. You know, these are stories that could happen to you. And I, I think, you know, when we talk about the pandemic, 
it's always safe inside a book, isn't it? It's always safe inside a book yes. because <laughs> you can be someone else. You can live someone else's story and make someone else's decisions and forget for a little while that we're living in this absolute insane, ridiculous, terrifying world <laughs> and just right. sort of let the, those walls fall away and be inside the first to lie instead. Yes, and and I was going to ask you this too. I, as a writer, when the world is on fire, I have found writing to be difficult during quarantine because there's this inner voice that's going, "Why does this matter?" And and they, there's so many huge problems going on right now. Why does this matter? And yet, I hear from readers, "Please, we need more stories. We need, you know." good endings we need and how do you feel how important is fiction right now while we're so locked down and scary outside oh what a good question you know i read somewhere that um and i can't remember who said this but um we chose this writing life before this disaster occurred and we chose it actively and with intent for a reason because we love it and because we think it's necessary um, and because we're driven to do it and because we are storytellers and we know that people love stories. So the idea that the world is scary doesn't make that wrong, right? We still, we still made a good decision to be writers and we still, and the world still needs stories probably now more than ever. Um, I agree. Right. I have had a difficult time. Um, I have had a difficult time writing. I think not because I think, why is this worth it? I, I, I never sort of lost sight about, of that it was worth it. But I do, I'm distracted. I'm just too easily distracted. I mean, I always think, oh, I need right. to make sure we have food. You know, I need to make sure that I wash my mm-hmm. hands. I need, you know, all those kinds of, there's this sort of veneer of terror over everything that, that I'm not used to. And it's kind of interesting because as a reporter, when I've been in all kinds of scary situations, fires and SWAT teams and tear gas and tornadoes and hurricanes. And, you know, you persevere through that. That's, that's part of the job. You know, I can write a news story in a, in a hurricane and it's, it's fine. Right. Um, but this is, but this is different than that. This is, this is drawing on a different part of our brain and a different part of our emotion than we usually do. And I really think that one of the things that we all as writers can do for each other is to reassure, reassure each other that we're all feeling the same thing. You know, I have, right. I know some friends who say that they've written more than ever during the pandemic, but far more are saying, oh, my golly, I can't get my brain to work. Um, right. And it's scary because that's what we rely mm-hmm. on. I have to tell you, one of my secrets for that, just like a five-year-old, oh, yeah. is I, I, set a, I set a timer and I say, for 34 minutes, I'm not going to do anything but write. And I'm not going to think about anything else. I'm not going to look at social media. And I'm not going to look at the, at the news. And I'm not going to worry about anything. I'm just going to put myself in the world of my book for 34 minutes, I promise, until this timer goes off. And it is, you know, our brains are funny creatures. And <laughs> that kind of works. You know, it really kind mm-hmm. of works. And once, you, once I do my first 34 minutes, I'm much more likely to get my second 34 minutes because I have trained my brain to focus on something else. So I do think that there's right. a COVID willpower that we need to try to tap into <laughs> as much as we possibly can. Don't you? Right. 
Oh, yeah. I found that um, the book that just came out, I had to write it during COVID, and I was so behind. And I found a group of authors, and we all did Zoom write-ins. So we would all be on Zoom, muted, for 30 minutes at a time. And so anytime you started to get distracted, you could see everybody else writing, and you're like, nope, got to keep got to keep writing oh and that's we got wonderful. so much done yeah so it's it was an interesting way to use zoom but just having you know seeing that other people were writing even though we were all muted it helped so much and then we would check in at the end of 30 minutes we'd all share our word count and then we'd go back in and that knowing that you're going to share your word count and seeing everybody else writing really helped I got like 20,000 words written in in five days and I was like oh I needed this um you know so it does really help to have a timer or have peer pressure with your friends who are all writing (laughs) because it is so hard to focus right now uh it's just crazy maybe it's because it's invisible you know if I feel like if I could see the virus I would be it would be much better but because it's invisible (laughs) Well, you know, that's so, it's so interesting because I live in Boston where in the winter there are blizzards. I mean, it is, it is stay inside, can't go out blizzard. So I said to my husband, I'm just going to pretend it's a blizzard, you know, that our car is snowed right. into the driveway and the streets are closed <laughs> and I can't even open my door because the snow is piled so high. And, you know, that is an, and, and we don't bat an eye at that. That's fine. Um, because we think, oh, well, you know, I'm going to stay home for a while. Um, right. And I keep thinking in a blizzard, the power could go out. You know, we don't, we still have power, so that's good. In a blizzard, we can't go to the grocery. So I can still have food delivered. That's good. So I try to look at the bright side of it. But I agree with you so thoroughly, Lisa, is that the invisibleness of it is what, you know, when I talk about writing with this veneer of terror, that's what it is because we as writers, one of the things that we rely on is that we can control something. We can control yeah. our book. We can control the, our story. We know what's going to happen. We know when it's the day before the launch that you'll be packing and getting, <laughs> um, you know, um, boarding passes and the publisher will be getting you hotel rooms. And I knew I'd be flying off for two weeks to talk to people in person to talk to them about the first to lie. And now, you know, I'm on radio and I'm on Zoom and on I'm Zoom. on podcast. And, you know, <laughs> um, so it's just such a different life. But we're having to, especially people like us who are authors, are having to just regroup and spin and reevaluate and try to do something else for some some amount of time, you know, some amount of time. Right. Yeah. It's just been crazy. <laughs> but but. I, so I'm, and, you know, the idea like of promoting. Sorry, okay. go ahead. Well, I mean, the idea of promoting a book, the first to lie, that um, has been so well received. What I hear from readers in the in the zooms and the events that I have done so far is that they're longing for for new things to read, and they have branched out in their um, reading choices and are reading new authors. Uh, that they might not have before um, because they are now back to reading. I think early on in the pandemic, people had a harder time even reading uh, because, again, it's so distracting. And now I hear from so many people that this is the perfect time for a new book to come out. This is the perfect time for the first to lie. 
to come out because people are now saying, give me those books. You know, I, I need distraction. Right. If we're, if we're going to have to stay inside, we might as well stay inside. And staying inside a book is a very good thing. Yes, I agree. And I've heard from a lot of people, too, that they're busy listening to audiobooks right now because reading sometimes is hard for people to concentrate right now. So is it coming out in audio as well? It is. It's on Macmillan Audio. It's on every platform, and Macmillan Audio and from Forge Books in ebook and in hardcover. It's beautiful. What a beautiful cover. And speaking of audiobooks, that's interesting because one of the things that I have learned about writing is from audiobooks, and it's sort of a hint that I would love to share is that um, when you are reading an audiobook, it is so important that the reader is grounded in the setting at the beginning of every chapter because you can't, you know, in a, in a book book, in a physical book, you can go back and say, where was I? Who was talking? What, what was it about if you've put the book down? But in an audio book, they just go so inexorably forward that if at the beginning of the chapter you don't say, you know, meanwhile, back at the ranch, not that you would say that, but something right. that grounds the reader in where you are. And as a result of audiobooks and the love of audiobooks, I've learned to write my books in a kind of a different and more careful way with the audio listener in mind um, so that they so oh, it's very so cool. clear to them. Yes, so it's very clear to them where they are in the book, whose point of view it is and um, what the setting is and the time. Just quickly, just tucked in, because there's no way for the reader to go back and check. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. And do you have you listened to your audiobooks? Is there are you in love with the narrators? Do they um, do they have dual narration, or is it just the first person? I I haven't read the first July, of course, because it's not out yet. But <laughs> how how the do books, they work? That? Uh, you know, um. The, the first to lie has the same narrator who narrated um, Where the Crawdads Sing. And so I'm incredibly <gasps> happy wow. about that. And I, I know it just gives me goosebumps. And she won't use the southern accent that she did in that book, of course, but she um, is marvelous. And, the, and I haven't heard it yet. I haven't, I, mean, the, I haven't heard the audio book yet, so that will be very exciting for me. I do say, though, that the audiobook of The Murder List is phenomenal. I mean, it is Angela Daw is reading it, and when I heard it for the first time, I was in an airport. Remember airports? I was in an airport, and my <laughs> editor sent me this file, an audio file, and I'm sitting in the airport, I think at O'Hare, and, I, and she said, pop your earbuds in you know, and listen to this. And I did. I popped my earbuds in, in the, you know, in the waiting area for my flight to wherever it was and pushed play. And there was Rachel Norris come to life in the murder list. I mean, I almost burst into tears when I heard it. You know, the Angela Dawes voice mm-hmm. and the inflection and the tone and the sensibility and, you know, that, oh, that edge you know, which she just really captured it. So I think a good audio book, I love the audio book of all my audio books. Um, and the first, the murder list is, um, I know, especially great. And I am overwhelmed with the first to lie. And I, I know I'll burst into tears when I hear that as well. 
<laughs> right? Yeah, I just, when you have a narrator who can really bring all the sides of the character in, it's, it's magic. It's really cool. It's like your book, you know, elevates to one other level that, you know, that you didn't realize until you hear it. It's really neat. I mean, do you know about First Chapter Fun? Another author, Hannah Mary McKinnon, and I have a Facebook and Instagram program called First Chapter Fun, where every Tuesday and Thursday at 11.30 a.m., we read the first chapter of a new book out loud on Facebook and Instagram live. How fun! Yeah, it is fun. It's a lovely little fun interlude for like 20 minutes every Tuesday and Thursday at 11.30 a.m., First Chapter Fun. Uh, and Hannah or I will read the first chapter. And we have a huge following of people who come and just listen. It's like story time for grown-ups for like 20 minutes. I love that. And, when the, and the authors always are there listening to us read their first chapters. And you reminded me when talking about audiobooks, you reminded me of how amazing that is for them. I mean, they always say they, you know, that their books come to life on audio, and I think that's one of the reasons for the popularity of an audio of audiobooks. Um so that's really fun. And so um audiobooks are growing in popularity. It's quite a phenomenon. So very pleased that mine is so wonderful. Yeah, that is so cool. And so the first chapter fun, is that the name of the Facebook page that people should look for? Yes, for first chapter fun. First chapter fun is a group on Facebook and also um, a page on Instagram. So we're live on Facebook okay. and live on Instagram at the same time, which is quite a technological juggle, but we manage it. <laughs> so come join yeah, us. Yeah, you and I, I were talking before us. the show about the world of Zoom and how we're all learning how to live this new life. <laughs> Well, we just got to we have to look at it as another acquired skill and pat ourselves on the back for being um, being troopers. You know, we all really are. We love this writing life and we love what we do and you know, we're so lucky that you know to stay safe and stay well and wash our hands and wear a mask and do all those things that we really need to do and then hope that, you know, soon this is over. You know, but we'll always have books. Yes. Won't we? The idea that you and I can talk about books and writing, and you can help me launch the first to lie tomorrow, which I am very grateful <laughs> about. You know, the community, the writing community, and the reading community is one of the most supportive groups you can imagine. And I, you know, what you do for all of us is so pivotal. You bring us together, uh, and you help us share. Well, thank and you. you know, I'm just so grateful to be part of that. Oh, thank you. I enjoy it so much because, you know, we write in our little cave with our timer (laughs) and all that kind of thing. And it's so nice. Every week I look forward to talking to new authors about their new books. And it it keeps me connected because we are, you know, little, we are little writer people in our caves. And you do, it is a lonely occupation, but it is really neat to connect. Mm-hmm. And we know that, and we know that our books come to life. Like the first to lie will come to life when the reader reads it. That's the thing. The book exactly. is not fully realized. The book is not fully realized until it's in someone else's hands or ears. Um, and that's yes. what I really hope for. I love thinking about people reading the first to lie and thinking about all the stuff that went into it. And I'm hoping that it changes their lives 
and changes their philosophy and entertains them like crazy because, you know, that's my complete goal. Yeah, and we need that right now. People need the they need the stories, they need the chance to live through somebody else since we're all sort of shut down right now. <laughs> so thank Not you for giving us down. another story. <laughs> my pleasure. I you know, I love writing and I love the first July. I know that there was a moment writing the first July or two and I thought, Oh, I don't know if this will work. So seeing all of it in its finished glory um, is quite a joy for me as for every author to see that new book and to see that gorgeous cover and to imagine people reading the first to lie um, is quite astonishing and quite reassuring. So I hope your listeners will find me on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and come to my website at Hank Philippi, which is HankPhilippiRyan.com. Lots of wonderful events, and that is one of the wonderful things about this horrible situation is that I can meet so many people at the events that I have. So my events are all listed on my website, and I hope you and everyone will come join me to talk about the first July. Yes, and everyone be sure to look on Facebook and Instagram for First Chapter Fun because that sounds fantastic where they're going to reach you on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 11 a.m. Eastern, right? 11, 11.30 a.m. Eastern, and this Tuesday, Hannah Mary McKinnon is reading from the first to lie. So that, ah. so that is a wonderful book birthday <laughs> for me. It is. Oh, that's fantastic. So I will tune in tomorrow at 11.30 a.m. Eastern and hear the first chapter of the first to lie. And everyone, run out and grab that book. If you pre-order it today, it will be in your e-reader tonight. So go grab that book. Thanks so much for coming back on, Hank. It was great to have you. It was great to be here, too. Thank you, and stay safe, and I hope to talk to you soon. Thank you for all you do. Thank you. Okay, talk to you later. Thanks for joining us on Book Lights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers. 